and welcome to Geeks with Shields, your home for all things good and nerdy in this The Darkest Timeline. I'm Lord Commander Ulrich, and with me as always is... His knight in armor, Woonvog. How's it going today, Woonvog? I'm doing well. Just enjoying a, uh, a calm autumn eve. That's what it's for. Well, we'd like to introduce our special guest, Axel Wright. Why am I the guest and Woonvog the host? Because he likes Halloween. Also, he said with my Patreon support, I, uh, I bought the seat for the evening. Oh, well, now we're just going to have the duel to the death so I can get my spot back. I'll be coming after you after this recording. I will have the Batlith ready. <laughs> and I'll get oh, the choir wow. ready. Anyway, so today we're here to talk about uh, something proper Halloween-themed. I guess everything we've been doing is proper Halloween-themed, but this feels like more pure, which is ghost stories. Yeah, uh, you don't get much better than ghost stories. So, do you guys really believe in ghosts? Where do you come down on the whole ghost thing? Personally, I'm I'm very much in the mentality of uh, kind of believe when I see it, but I love stories and watching Ghost Hunter shows has always been a guilty pleasure. Those are so terrible, though. Yeah, <laughs> but I I love the idea of haunted places. So have you watched that one <laughs> that's like douche ghost hunters? Ghost Adventures. Uh, that's dude... the one where he he calls the ghost out to fight. Uh, that might be, but it's it's basically <laughs> dude bros ghost hunting. Yeah, like I've seen the clip, and it basically boils down to, come out and fight me, ghost, you pussy. Who the f- what? Okay, explain to me the logistics of getting in a physical confrontation with a ghost. How does that end well for you? One, they're dead. Two, they're immaterial. You have hey, your man. fist. They ha- you have the upper hand. <laughs> even, even the baby approves. uh as for me okay it's complicated i can simply say yes i do but i'm also a man of science so i would never like use that as a here's the thing i'm not going to go into detail on this because there could be a whole other episode on this but yeah the best way to describe my beliefs when it comes to the supernatural and stuff is i'm an omnist uh but i'm also an existentialist so Let's just go with that for now, and if you want to hear more about that at some point, then tell me. <laughs> Fair enough. So the comment sections are for. <laughs> so who wants to kick us off with their first ghost story? Uh, not me. <laughs> um, I have a couple that are kind of fun. Uh, more, uh, more a little bit of an explanation of, of them first. Okay. However. I mean, that's why, that's why <laughs> I brought you here, or I guess you brought me, Mr. Host, but uh, <laughs> I know you're a ghost story guy, or at least you're creepy stuff guy, so. Yeah, I found uh, a, probably a few years back now, there was a, a collection online uh, titled Two Sentence Horror Stories. Ah, yes, I have. <laughs> so there's this thing that, so Marky here, he showed me this when, uh, I don't know if it was when he found it or not, but so my lady, Scarlett, she works at a Walgreens, and they have this dumb survey policy where the employees can get in trouble. Point is, I do surveys for her sometimes to give her nines, but because I don't approve of the whole thing, I'll put weird and nonsensical stuff in the comment section, including two-sentence horror stories. Yeah, those things have been all over Facebook. From what, they're pretty good. Yeah, and it's like I always love the idea of like the smallest amount of space like maximizing horror. Well, there's uh, a... There's a concept in art. I don't know what the term is, but that you know, limitations or trying to work within limitations is like one of the best ways to generate new types of art. I mean, it's the entire basis of the haiku. By being extremely limited in structure, you ha- and ha- forcing you to work around it, your creativity flows in different directions. You know? Yeah, well, kind a of. Lot a- of uh, the best horror movies have been based off, you know, short little horror films that directors went, I like that. I'm going to make a full concept out of it. That's understandable. And uh, I will, I will preface this that uh, none of these are original for me. I found a collection of a bunch of them on thoughtcatalog.com. If anyone would like to check them out. Good man. Citing your <laughs> source. But uh, a couple of my favorites I found uh, one was uh, don't be afraid of monsters. Just look for them. Look to your left, to your right under the bed, in the closet, but never look up. She hates to be seen. <laughs> I have read that one. That's <laughs> that, a new one, one. <laughs> that one, when I read it, was accompanied with a picture that didn't actually have much to do with that. It was like a, a person on a subway, and all the windows were filled with creepy faces. But I remember that. So, Well, have either of you seen uh, Mama? 
I've seen a little bit of it. I wanted to finish it, but I haven't had a chance to. It's okay because it's a great movie up until the end when it goes all Tim Burton. (laughs) That's like, seriously, watch it. And the ending is a total Tim Burton style move, but it is so creepy. And, you know, that story just kind of reminded me because, yeah, the the big, the character, Mama's this weird, twisted ghost figure that walks around and climbs on the ceiling. And that's instantly where my brain goes. It's a Del Toro production. Oh, I love Del Toro. All right, all right. Um, I that makes me think of like actually, oddly enough, that makes me think of the ghost from Ghostbusters. Which um, which ghost? Uh, you can't just uh, say the ghost from Ghostbusters. That is true. I can't just say that, but I'm gonna go with the one that's floating above Dan Aykroyd. Oh, the blowjob ghost. Yeah, blowjob ghost. I think <laughs> we referenced that last week. Maybe it's the recurring thing now. <laughs> that ghost. Yeah. <laughs> Point is though that um, my my mind went to a funny, ridiculous thing, and not necessarily a, a scary thing. <laughs> well, if it's non-consensual, it's scary. That's true. Anyway, care to give us another one, Marky? Alrighty. Um, you hear your mom call you to the kitchen. As you get to the stairs, you hear a whisper from her room say, "Don't go down there, honey. I heard it too." You know, that one taps into <laughs> some very invasion of the body snatchers kind of mentality. But I I've oh, heard definitely. the. I've heard the version of that that um, is the the kid on the bed who you know, says there's a monster under his bed, and then the dad like looks under and there's his son under the bed saying you know something about the creature on, on the bed. But yeah. oh yeah, same concept of the like you know what you think is the one thing is actually something dangerous because you see the actual state. Anyway, point is. Dis- dissecting the story is going to kill it. But uh... <laughs> oh no, I disagree. In horror, it's all about dissecting. I guess That's why right. I love horror movies. You can dissect it so much and figure out why it works on so many different levels. Okay, well then to continue, I, you know, it works because, well, it, it feels like a joke. I mean, the the end is not a laugh. The end is a creepy feeling in your spine. But it's all about you know setup, setting expectations, creating tension, and then subverting that expectation, right? Yeah, and that's kind of the kind of I think one of the most fascinating things with horror is it is almost a mirror to to comedy that it uh you know it has similar setups that you build up you you kind of draw that tension taut and then you hit with uh either the punchline in comedy or the reveal in horror and it's it's very much like build tension and then release in very quick ways and both uh comedy and horror rely on that same setup you know, I think that's funny. why black comedy is probably one of my favorite genres. It's a perfect blending of the two. Yeah, because they work on the same principle. Well, it's also probably why in most horror movies, once they reveal like the monster or whatever it is, the longer there is afterwards, the worse. Right? In in general, uh, I, I get that kind of feeling. Like I was just um. It's no secret that we here at Geeks with Shields are fans of Movie Bob and his general content. And uh, he releases um, Schlocktober, where he talks about some you know weird, cheesy kind of horror movie. And he just recently put out one on something called Parents. Have you guys seen it? Which I can't. Re- I was watching that, and I think I've seen that movie, but it was so long ago. Like I'm talking single digits, age, long ago. But it seems so familiar. What about you? It's like a movie there's no way eight-year-old me would watch. Did you see it, Marky? Or at least his movie Bob's video on it? I hadn't had a chance to catch up with his Schlocktober this year, but it's definitely on the list. Well, I won't won't say that, because literally Bob starts that video by saying, hey, most of the time, right, I would never tell you not to watch the video, but this movie's actually kind of good. (laughs) (laughs) So, but the point is that without giving away the gambit to anyone who might actually want to see this movie. It's about a, a kid who with his like very, very regular suburban parents seemingly moved to this suburbs in Massachusetts. And um, something is wrong. Like something is off about the parents and the kid is having nightmares. He's, uh, you know, kind of awkward at school and he just has this feeling that something is wrong. And when you find out what it is, it's really cool, really neat, but then I like uh, the the plot keeps going for a while, and it's like, depending on your sensibilities, it can be, I don't know, it can be problematic or not, essentially. But I know that there are um, 
what was it? Uh, was it Insidious? I remember hearing people say like, or no, maybe it was the Babadook. I don't know. I, I, I keep hearing these criticisms of like, well, they showed the monster. Uh, and once they actually showed it, it's like, eh. I, 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 I did complain to that about Insidious because um, my brother, he watched it and he paused on the face. And when he saw the face, he just, he couldn't get over how bad the effect was and it ruined it for him. Uh well, I remember, um, I remember Aaron in uh, Game Grumps talking about how in the Babadook, and I, I actually agree with him on this. Like the Babadook is way scarier when he's like a picture in a book or an idea that's being like. I disagree. That face is nightmare fuel. I am not uh, the biggest fan of that movie, but between the voice and when he drops from the ceiling, sweet merciful Jesus, no. <laughs> Okay, well, we can disagree. Yeah. Actually, I, I, I actually, I actually have to agree with Ulrich on that. The, uh, like, I, I definitely understand the idea of, you know, once you see it and it's kind of just the guy, it might be a bit underwhelming, but something about, like, the exaggerated makeup to, to make the eyes look, like, way too wide and the grin way too long uh, added to that unsettling. All right, I've yeah, got everything I've got about a... him is just meant to go against, take off those boxes in your brain. That's a corpse. The rictus grin, the white face. He's not alive. He shouldn't be doing. And your brain's going, run away, run away, run away, run away. Okay, I've got a far better example then. The alien, the xenomorph. Yes. Who is still terrifying in the original alien and even to a point aliens. But the point is that it's so saturated now that only something with like that level of, you know, uh, let's gonna go with for lack of a better term effort put into it can still make it scary because it's so I'd familiar by now. Also, argue diminishing returns. Okay, the first time it's scary. The second time it's still scary. By the sixth time, you're like, I know what you do. I know what you look like. I've seen you at Planet Hollywood. You're not that scary anymore. Well, my by point... the time there's a bunch of you, it's just cannon fodder <laughs> at this point. Yeah. Well, my point is that I can still go back, watch the original Alien, and be scared. So I think that the reason for that is that that movie is so good, right? Like, other than just the design of the creature, like, that movie is very good at, you know, doing the proper thing with it. Like, if you saw that movie and didn't know what a xenomorph is, it's going to be impactful. But you can still see it in our current day and have it be, like, good. Problem is replicating that with, like, a new movie that isn't alien, right, is going to be an uphill climb from just doing some other different kind of new monster. Does that make sense? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Were we talking about ghost stories, though? Yeah, it's horror. It's all fine. We were talking about dissecting uh, ghost stories and, like, what the appeal of the, the, the use in that is, right? That's true, but I have to draw a line. Babadook, that's a ghost. Alien, that's a rape monster. That's a whole nother episode. <laughs> Still a horror monster, but okay, fair enough. Do demons count? Ah, uh, malevolent spirits, demons. Yeah, I'll count that one in. Okay, because that means we can talk about things like the omen and whatnot. But go oh, on. God, yeah. But no, this is a ghost story. This happened to me oh four months ago, give or take. Recent. Ooh. Okay. Yeah. So I recently came back from a family trip, and I got sick as a dog, Ugh. like fever, sniffles, chills, just very unpleasant. And I went up to go to bed early. I'm like, it's five o'clock, but I feel like shit. I'm just going to go to sleep. Took my daughter Maya up, you know, put her down and went to sleep. Well, about an hour or so later, I woke up because something, you know, uh, some some noise, something woke me up. And I rolled over and standing next to her crib is a ghost. And not your Casper, the friendly ghost type. Nah, the ripped from Gaelic lore, nightmare fuel ghost. Red hair, pale skin, flowing nightgown, and it is just hovering right next to her crib. Now, I do what any sensible person does, and I start yelling at it. Then the ghost starts yelling back at me, and then Maya starts yelling at both me and the ghost. And I realize it was Slagathor, and in my fever, you know, few dream, I had transformed her into a thing of nightmare. (laughs) I'm sure she appreciates that. She was not happy because she said, I just got her to go back to sleep. What the hell is wrong with you? I thought you were a ghost. Ulrich just wakes up. Banshee! Well, and this is the best part. My brain was going through my head. It's like, all right, there's a ghost. What can I do to stop the ghost? Do I have any iron anywhere? Yes, I do. Okay. Like, my brain started reverting back to basic ghost. You know, it's like, all right, don't know what type of ghost this is or what rules it follows. But I'm pretty sure iron works on all of them. That's just old school stuff. Yeah, iron and salt. Very classic. Well, salt's more the purity. Iron more has to do with how 
the Irish took Ireland over from the Fae. Yeah, that's where that one comes from, which is a whole other episode we could go into Irish lore, but we're talking ghost stories. All right. <laughs> yeah, that's I, my most recent ghost story. I got a couple more, but that was my most personal recent one. I mean, I'm mostly a um a passer like a passenger on this particular train because I don't really have a whole lot of ghost stories. I have some instances that I barely remember and stuff. Like I remember when I I think I mentioned this last time, but I was very young, like I don't know, six or seven or something like that. Uh, my mother took me. At least I think. Is she, this going to be the zombie story again? No, it's not a zombie <laughs> story. It's well, you went on like five times about how you abandoned your mother to a plastic zombie. What's with you in exaggeration? It was literally like twice, and you turned it into five times. Anyway, because that so, makes a better story. <laughs> we we went to what is actually considered to be like the most haunted place on like um in the, the city or maybe the West coast. I don't know. I know it was a famous haunted place in San Diego. So, and I remember, really being, house? I don't know, man, I was like six, but I remember being really creeped out by all the mirrors. Like something was wrong about them. And this wasn't like a fun house or a horror house. This was like an actual supposedly, you know, murder house. So no, it's not the Winchester house then. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't remember though, but that that's like, you know, I, I've had some, very few weird experience. Like literally, I think the creepiest experience that I can actually remember is when Woundvog and I here went yes. to the the penitentiary here in the city we live in, and I remember going to the the um, solitary confinement room, and that felt very wrong. Like every instinct in my body was telling me to get out of there. Like I just felt like all my you know hair standing on end, and that that was very unpleasant. <laughs> yeah. I'd I'd say, uh, going back to the question of do I believe in ghosts, I'd, I'd say I more believe that I feel places can kind of take in what, like a strong emotion, and now that's kind of a common description of what people feel, what quote-unquote ghosts are. Yeah, because that's, that's my whole, my theory in how I explain ghosts is that I'm, I'm I admit it, yeah, it's my own weird thing, but I believe that when certain like emotions or events or things kind of affect an area. And you hear people talk about like, when they go to battlefields where their massacres, uh, like Glencoe in Scotland, people still talk about it's just creepy because families were wiped out there or old yeah. Holocaust place. There's this dissent. And that's kind of my theory on ghosts. Nothing to do with the spirit or anything. It has to do with something happened here and it's stuck. Yeah. And I, I could definitely feel that that is something that you can just kind of sense. Cause yeah, once we walked in, it was kind of a, nice sunny day uh when we were at the penitentiary and it's just like in the solitary and you know it's kind of how it was built to it was abnormally quiet because these people are supposed to have the feeling of isolation but yeah just a sense of dread throughout the whole place just like this is not also, a place you want to be it was also frigid in the solitary just confinement cold. rooms and mm -hmm. this was yeah this was um end of the school near the end of the school year so like early october i'd say Oh really? I thought it was. Yeah, it was kind of a. Of it was kind of a special for a Halloween. Thing. Oh, okay. See, my okay, my time period's all messed up in my brain. So never mind. Still though, like it was, it was, it felt like a good twenty degrees colder in those, uh, in those rooms. And that's the other kind of part I sub subscribe to is if enough people kind of believe it's haunted, it kind of starts to affect it. I am very much as new agey and stupid as it may sound. I totally believe in the concept. If you get enough people believe in something, it affects actual change. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard, I heard of a, a movie that came out similar to that mentality that uh, I, yeah. I didn't hear good things about it, oh, unfortunately, but I liked the idea is people basically invented their own like spirit and it became real because they believed in it so much. But because of what they believed in, it started killing them. Oh, yeah. I remember. I remember John's <laughs> reviewed that. I remember him talking about it. Yeah. Yeah. The idea is that based on an actual study, like they actually did it, ah. and they got results. But the murdering was added on. No, I was super yeah. excited about that movie because it looked really good and it was really stupid and forgettable. Hmm. But I mean, the concept of like people creating the supernatural is actually one that I in a way subscribe to. And uh, I know that like, for instance, my favorite book, American gods is built around that concept, but in regards to religion. So I, that's, I subscribe to a lot of things. And I mean, truth, 
is partially subjective and we're all agreeing this is the definition of the word we made up and that makes it true. We can get into some real semantics there, but oh, back I know to it gets, ghosts. this is a bit heavier than our usual stuff, and I, we're not on the ghosts. We're about ghosts. Back, yep, not the back semantics another... of language. <laughs> Give me another two sentence horror story. I woke up. <laughs> I woke up to a knock on the glass. At first, I thought it was from the window, until I heard it come again from the mirror. Mm. Yeah. Oh man, I have. Okay. Um. There was a time in my life. Now. Okay, <laughs> too much prefacing. When I was in sixth grade, maybe seventh grade, I read a different Goosebumps book every day. Uh, I would way go to, to do that. Yeah, well, I'd go to school, I would check it out in the morning, and I'd be done with it before the end of school because I... So here's the thing. I was a pretty good student. <laughs> I just didn't pay attention. Like, I didn't really have to study uh, until I got to, like, late high school and college, essentially. But this was middle school where I could not pay attention in class and still do my homework and ace the test. It was fine. So I didn't bother paying attention. I just read instead. Uh, but anyway, point is that Goosebumps, whatever pros and cons, I've heard some studies say it actually damaged some people's reading comprehension. I don't know if I believe that because it's still reading. But the the one of the ones that scared me the most, like that actually creeped me out, was the one about um, the kids who like disappear into the mirror uh, and that like they have... It's like another world, essentially. I forgot I what the details. Huh. I don't remember the details were, but the point is that near the middle of the book, right, their reflections came out of the mirror, Ooh. essentially, and they had to fight off their reflections. And at the end, how Goosebumps always does the oh, it seems like everything's cool, but you know something's wrong. Well, what happens is throughout like the entire, not the entire book, several times throughout the book, the main character mentions his little brother being left-handed. And then at the end, he's playing catch. And the last like sentence is, I noticed he was throwing with his right hand. And I was like, ah. Oh. Do was you just guys so remember that out. terrible movie, uh, Mirrors? No. Uh, I I do, but only in the fe- only in the sense that one of our friends, uh, one of the scenes of a death, kind of messed with him for a while. Oh yeah, oh. it's not a good movie. It's got a great concept in that there was a fire in this department store. And all the souls became trapped in mirrors, and then they began traveling around killing people within the mirrors. I remember uh, Stevie was the one you're talking about, right? He's, exactly. Yeah, some like a mirror in a bathroom. I don't remember the details. Yeah, she's the... taking a bath, and her reflection is watching her, and then the reflection takes a knife and slits her throat. No, the reflection no, she grabs her, her jaw lower off. jaw and upper jaw and forces it open, and you see it in graphic visual detail. That's unpleasant. It's a great concept of a movie. It's got some really good, cool, like stuff, like being afraid of mirrors. And as a narcissist, that really fucked with me. <laughs> but it kind of hey. falls apart in the end. Yeah, I, I never saw it, so I don't know. But uh, I, but mirrors, I feel like there's something in here. Actually, I was just recently reading an article about how um, there is a a thing in the brain. I don't know what it is that um, basically they studied the Bloody Mary myth. Yeah, I was right? about to ask if you guys ever did Bloody Mary as kids. I, I did. Uh, I did but, not fuck with that kind of shit. Like, nope. Even if I think it's 100% bullshit, don't go. What are the. There's a 1% chance I'm right. Is it worth it? I agree with that logic. Anyway, um, but there, there's this article about like they were studying the Bloody Mary effect. And uh, apparently, what happens is like the human brain works such that if you stare at like one object uh, long enough, then your brain starts picking up on like a lot of weird little uh, details, and then we'll start like morphing them. So essentially, they had this thing where they were like, you can have people stare at a mirror long enough, and they'll just start hallucinating essentially like horrific stuff. So yeah, your since, brain's looking for uh, predators. Yeah, it's in low light conditions, uh, obviously, which is the whole point of Bloody Mary. Like you're in the dark. So, so yeah, there's a scientific reason for why that um, has the effect it has. Yeah, because ghosts live in mirrors. <laughs> okay. Now, we've been... That's we've... who that person on the other side is. It's the evil version of me. Don't you guys remember that theory when you were kids that, you know, mirrors were parallel dimensions? Well, that's why that Goosebumps book messed with me so much, man. Yeah? No, I remember there was one time... We were on a family vacation to Florida. And they... I think Bush Gardens was doing a whole Halloween thing. And their theme was Bloody Mary. 
and it had this most high-end terrifying advertisement of this guy you know doing the bloody mary thing and you know she's combing her hair and he says again she gets closer and he says the third time and she jumps out of the mirror and grabs him and it scared the hell out of my little brother krug because we were staying there were mirrors everywhere and this was constantly playing on the tv i have a strange suspicion that you have punched a mirror before ulrich i don't think so we haven't gotten See, to that scare yet there's no nah. certainty in his voice, though. It's I don't think so. <laughs> well, I could do any number of things while I'm drinking. We've established this previously. There's a whole chunk of my life where there's, it's splotchy at best, but no, nah, okay. I'm pretty sure I remember punching a mirror. Now, hold on. Feisty okay. going into the bathroom. Who the fuck are you looking at? <laughs> that's, see, that's how it would play out. That's true. I, I could totally see Feisty Fist doing that. But anyway, we've been talking for a little over half an hour, I think, at this point. And I, I want to bring up a very specific topic because this is the internet and we're talking about ghost stories. And I know I know nothing about this, really. Uh, Wunvog, can you give us a crash course in Slenderman? I can. Uh, it, it branches out a little further, and I'd say I'll Go do a quick crash course on creepy pasta. Sure. Which it was a name. That's where he started, isn't it? Sorry. Isn't that where he started? Yes, more or less. Because um, creepy pastas—it's it, a joke on the phrase "copy pasta" or "copy paste." Ah. Oh. Uh, yeah, and it's—it's it's stories that are that were copied and posted to forums throughout early internet. Uh. They were originally meant to be kind of more realistic, scary stories. Some branched out into supernatural, and it's kind of exploded into multi-genre horror stories. Some being sagas, that uh, others being like little pictures. Um, to the point that creepypasta as a name has kind of lost meaning. Yeah, it's true. Well, it kind of created some really dumb fan theories for a while. True. That's what I know. That's what I knew it best from was <laughs> yeah. people one doing of, edgy fan theories. Yeah, one of the big tropes is the lost episode where something horrible happened, and admittedly, most of those stories tend to be terrible. Yeah. Well, kind of like, well, kind of like most of the here's the truth that your kids show is actually something horrifying. Most of them suck. Some of them I like. Like I like the idea that Ed and Eddie is actually a bunch of souls in purgatory. I find that one to be interesting. Uh, yeah, but. But the one where like Angelica from Rugrats is like in a coma or something. I I don't know. The that Rugrats theory is stupid. And yeah. it does not compare to the debauchery that really was going on with that show. Yeah, the oh. big problem is most of those lost episode ones tend to be um kind of the same story that, oh, they're all dead or in hell for the whole time. Because uh, the internet's really creative. <laughs> and it uh it I think it kind of culminated into uh one of the most atrocious but f like fascinating fascinatingly bad stories i've ever heard and it's called happy appy happy appy if it sounds familiar oh it is it is a train wreck of a story and the the worst part is i still don't know if it was meant as a trolling pasta or if someone actually tried and then realized it was getting more laughs and then made it a troll pasta i'm like I mean, 99 I'm like 99% sure that you have told me about this before, Woundvog, and that I just blocked it out entirely. Oh, it is it is a hot mess, but it is worth hearing about because it is so funny how bad it is. Can you give us a taste? Uh, it, it It's hard to explain without actually getting deep into the story. Oh, okay. <laughs> but, well, this was originally a Slenderman question, yeah, so... Yeah. We... Um, moving back to what the original question asked is... On the Something Awful forums, they did a contest for making your own scary story build-up. Mm -hmm. And uh, a poster posted a picture uh, of a playground with kids playing, and in the background, uh, you can see a tall man in a suit with no face. Uh, and it was give and the picture had the caption of, we didn't want to do it, but... Uh, his comforting, but his comforting gaze and presence forced us to, uh, and it just it exploded into what was what is now known as Slender Man, this uh, entity that uh, that kit that uh, steals children away, kind of causes madness in uh, when you're in his presence. See, and, I knew the cause madness. I didn't know the steal children part. Yeah, you know, got like a giant mythos now. It's oh, actually it, pretty impressive. 
yeah, it's gone. He's become one of, I think, kind of a new age uh, boogeyman. Yeah. Um, but some of the best stories that have come from him, and I can't, I can't recommend these three stories more. If you're looking for a good scare for Halloween, I'd say check them out, and they're all available on YouTube. Uh, the first big one was Marble Hornets, which is Marble the story. Marble Hornets. Yeah, Marble Hornets. Uh, it's the story of a, of uh, Jay. He gets these tapes from his friend Alex, who uh, was filming a show for his college classes. But for some reason, he just stopped partway through uh, and just gave up. And uh, so Jay starts looking through these tapes and realizes someone or something is stalking Alex throughout this whole thing. This sounds and it starts getting, yeah, And it starts getting to the point that Jay starts recording himself because now it's stalking him. See, I've seen, I've walked into the living room and seen Wundvog uh, watching these Marble Hornets, and they, from what I can tell, right, you know, it's like it's a YouTube series, um, but it's decently, like, quality for a YouTube series, you know? Yeah, it, it's definitely, like, lo- lower budget, but it's, it's kind of the thing that we, I applaud it for using what they had so well. Yeah, sometimes that really works in the movie's favor. Like, the original Nightmare is made on a shoestring budget, so they have to shoot Freddy in the dark a lot, and that really worked to its advantage. Same thing with Jaws. The shark broke, and they had to, you know, get creative, and the result was you barely saw the shark, and which is good <laughs> because that was a dopey-looking shark. Well, yeah. a relevant example here is probably the Blair Witch Project, which... Which, I, mm, do not get me started on that thing. <laughs> Whatever your feelings on it, especially because nowadays uh, found footage is so reviled, I think, by most people. Like, Blair Witch was really pretty revolutionary at the time, and I still think it's I will give you cool. that in that its marketing campaign was revolutionary. Uh, I don't remember the marketing campaign, so I can't say. I the do marketing know that campaign that... was missing people. The posters for the missing people went up. There was a website dedicated to it. They sold you on this is a real, true event that actually happened. That's why the camera work is so shitty and the acting is terrible and you never actually see anything and this whole movie's a waste of time. But it really see, happened, so it's scary. I have to disagree with you on the acting thing, and that's largely because um, not only, uh, well, most of the time they're not acting. The director basically tortured those people if you read them. The acting is not the acting's okay. It's just I don't like that movie and I don't like how popular it was. It did one of the worst things to horror movies by introducing us to the found footage genre of we can take a stupid concept and no money and people will pay us to see it. Mm, I wouldn't blame Blair Witch for that. Blair Witch may have been the big big one to use at first, but I'd say paranormal activity popularized. Blair Witch is still like one of the highest grossing found footage films of all time. I think it's like one of the highest grossing fil- uh, horror movies of all time. Yeah, but it's sequel absolutely bombed, whereas Paranormal Activities had like, what, five sequels at this point? So now They made a sequel to Blair Witch 2 and nobody watched it. That's what I'm saying. Is like no one watched the Blair Witch sequel, but everyone keeps watching Paranormal sequels. Paranormal is what keeps that thing alive. So I think it's died. But getting back to Slenderman real quick, I yes. think we have to talk about the elephant in the room. Oh yes, uh, and I I definitely bring that up. I'd say it uh, it definitely put a kibosh on on interest for a long time, and that is uh, a few years back. A young girl, I can't remember where she was from. I think I it was say, Wisconsin because I watched yeah. the documentary on it, and the documentary is heartbreaking. I'll say I have no idea what you guys are talking about. So go on. Oh, a few, uh, a few years back. Yeah, a few years back. A girl, I believe she was about 12 at the time, was tricked into going into the woods with two of her quote-unquote friends where they attempted to stab her to death. 32 uh, times. Yeah, 32 times. And they uh, they found that in their notes they basically were planning to sacrifice her so they could go join Slender Man. The young girl was forced to crawl, I think, four miles to the road to get yeah, help. And they get, yeah, in, in the good, good news of this story, she did survive. She was, like, she was found, taken to a hospital, and lived, and both of the, girl, the other girls were, well, prosec- were found and prosecuted. That's yes. insane. Uh, 32 the lead, times. The main girl has been diagnosed paranoid schizophrenic. Yeah, that'll do it. 
And she honestly believed that if she didn't do this, Slenderman would come and kill her entire family. Really good <laughs> documentary on uh, HBO about this. And like I said, it really is heart-wrenching because they interview all the girls. And you see this, like, you kind of go, oh, who the fuck stabs a kid, you know, 32 times? Then you listen to these girls talk and you're like, oh. Well, now you're making me see their humanity, and now I feel conflicting feelings. Okay, okay, let's move back to, I remember uh, Woonfog said there were three stories he wanted to share and could recommend enough, so Marvel <laughs> yeah. Hornets was one. What else? Uh, there's also Everyman Hybrid, which uh, is, I would probably warn that it is the most convoluted. It's the trickiest to get into, but they kind of go their own way starting as a slender story, but build into their own horror universe, which I, th I feel is a good sign of growth for the creators. Um, and the final is Tribe 12, which has, I think, some of the best effects for uh, any of these three series. And, again, if you're interested in any of the Slenderman mythos that has been built, uh, any of these three series are worth your time. But I would Definitely suggest Marble Hornets at least as the first one because it is the original horror story that put Slender Man on the map. Did any of us see the movie? No, I have <laughs> no intention to. I heard, uh, well, okay, I shouldn't say I heard. I know that John said it was fine, but he's not a Slender Man fan. I, I heard, a, I think I read a few other um, reviewers say that it was not terrible. It just wasn't good either. It was just kind of standard. I feel like it came out five years too late. And that is one of the biggest problems is, I believe, I think it was Sony, but uh, and we know how much faith I have in them. <laughs> uh, Sony. Uh, they had plans on making it, but then previously discussed uh, attempted murder happened, so it was yeah, put on that, the back. Yeah, that make the ice it real quick. I'm kind of and, afraid the same thing's going to happen with the uh, Five Nights at Freddy's movie. They're going to wait too long, and it's not going to be relevant. And yeah, no one's going to care. And that is that is definitely something that can happen. Uh, well, um, so what? You've watched all these lores, all these things. Now, generally speaking, yes. a lot of these horror monsters, as we explained, when you explain what they are, it kind of takes away from them. But do we? know what slender man is is he just a demon like is he an alien um, what is he the best i can describe is possible demon like parademon maybe kind of old one entity see that that kind of makes every time i see him in the like, game he looks very lovecraftian yeah it's it's definitely the lovecraftian feeling you know the suit the, the uh, tentacles yeah the tentacles the it's... fact that if you look at him it drives you insane that's exactly and i'd say like the biggest thing, and I've had deep talks with uh, another friend of mine, Denim, we've watched through all these series together. Uh, one of the biggest things is he is ultimately the fear of unknown and the fear of madness. Here's how I freaked uh, Slagathar out about this one, because we were watching <laughs> the news article, the news story, when this you know terrible incident first happened. Yes. And I said, you know, I kind of believe in the whole theory. I call it the American gods theory that if enough people believe in something, it begins to manifest and take form. Consider the fact that millions of children across the world believe in Slenderman. Isn't it possible by that theory that he could exist? And she's like, fuck you. I got to walk to, I got to walk to the car now and it's dark. <laughs> I'm just saying, I was thinking about this. The reason the boogeyman never just didn't have a concrete form or lore. Then this generation made fucking Slenderman screwed us all. Well, okay. So indeed. So like I said, I never got into Slenderman, but I did get into one kind of internet horror thing, which is uh, SCP, which I adore. Yes, you know, didn't Netflix, is, was it a rumor or was it fact that Netflix was looking to make a series? I haven't heard of that myself, but it also wouldn't surprise me. The, the problem, though, is that SCP like is one of those things where trying to create a single narrative of it is inherently problematic because it's not built yeah. for that right what little i understand about it couldn't you do like a black mirror anthology an yeah, anthology would work best uh or i'd even say something like uh a la warehouse 13 that's what i was about to say yeah i mean uh yeah warehouse 13 so i'm guessing you haven't read any scp articles then Ulrich. i know of it vaguely like 
I know it's a thing on the internet, and each one is a different creature that does entirely different things. It's not always a creature. It's not always scary. It's not always anything. It, it can be a bunch of different things. There's a video game, which is actually pretty cool, which is about... Um, I want to say it's SCP-393 like or something like that. I'm probably well, there was not... that one containment breach that was really popular with yeah. all the Let's Players forever. Yeah, that's what I'm yes. saying. Containment breach. And the, the main creature in that is, is a weeping angel from Doctor Who, essentially. But yeah. a, lot, a lot uglier. <laughs> um, but there are plenty of other things that show up in that game, too. Like, there's... Um, as far as... As far as creatures go, there's like the the man of darkness who you know moves through uh, like walls at you all the time. Or there's one of my favorite articles. I don't know if he shows up in the game. Is about a creature that looks like uh, like a very elongated gray being that's constantly like covering its face. And if anyone sees its face, then it will kill them. Even if, like, the, the article talks about how they, they put the creature, who's normally very docile, in, like, you know, several feet of concrete and steel at the bottom of the ocean, and then took a picture on the other side of the planet and showed it to someone for one second that had the creature's face in it. It wasn't even the main part of the picture, it just had the creature's face in it. And the article talks about the lengths to which the creature then goes to reach that person and murder them. This, actually, remember, this was uh, answering movie was pitch a horror movie based on an internet, you know, uh, property. Because it was inspired by... The Slenderman movie came out, and somebody suggested the SCP. Because <laughs> you literally have thousands of characters to draw from, any, which, any one number of which you can go, okay, I'm going to take this one and make a whole movie around just it. Yeah, that's, it would make a good anthology. Although what's best is, that, is the ones that aren't even horrific. Like, my favorite one is about a toaster. Uh, and I am a toaster. That's just okay. what, what I am. So the whole the whole point of uh, of me is that I can only be referred to in the first person. And the longer I look at myself, the more I begin to think that I'm a toaster. Until wait, wait, wait. how can you look at yourself if you're a toaster? You're missing the point. So <laughs> and uh, that is, that is the whole thing with the story that anyone who sees the toaster in the story or even refers to it will inadvertently refer to themselves as the toaster. And it talks about and it talks about finding um people who had filled themselves with bread until their stomachs burst or other parts burst. So it's it's ridiculous and hilarious. So. Man, now you got me thinking about Seven and how that movie is now on watch. Oh, what? Cuz Kevin Spacey? Well, because Kevin Spacey and Morgan Freeman, two out of three of the main actors turned out to be creepers what morgan freeman did i hadn't heard about that you didn't hear about the morgan freeman one oh oh we'll talk about that one after the show uh, okay well anyway enough uh, with real horror yeah, yeah, yeah that one it's just oh now the cool thing with scp too is eventually everyone who uh you know gets into it will start to try to find scp one right because the whole point secure contain protect what's the first one but it's literally kind of built into the narrative that it's impossible to know what the first one is. So there are like 24 different articles that claim to be SCP one. Most people accept uh, the one that's basically an archangel that's like guarding the garden of Eden essentially. But then there's one that's all about how like SCP itself is scp1 and it's like really meta but really interesting and there's one that talks about basically like a factory in the earth that like constructs horror it, it, i don't know there's a lot of interesting ones for that though is the point yeah you no know, i can totally see this as a black mirror style anthology film and i don't think netflix has to pay anyone for it well someone i think that's why sony would leapt so. on the idea of a uh, slender man movies like wait the internet knows about it. It's not all I'm marking, and we don't have to pay anybody. All righty then. Yeah, and that's where like kind of the weird legal legality of it comes up because it's like you'd probably at least have to get like talk about terms with the person who owns the uh, website. And it was kind of the same if I've heard with the uh, creator of Slenderman as it was the original poster of the uh, pictures. But the question is, is like how. Uh, like how open is a horror story put online when it comes to terms of like copyright? Yeah, I know it's tricky because there is a faction in 40k that the whole mystery has always been who they're descended from. 
and the fans mm. kind of, you know, wrote a really compelling thing. And Games Workshop more or less came out and said, we're never going to admit that because if we did, we might legally require to be, you know, pay something out to you, the fans. So oh. that's never going to happen. <laughs> like, I, I don't, I think the uh, legality was all very murky because we're living in this age where the internet is creating these huge cultural things. And how do you determine who owns that and who do you pay? And do you have to pay anybody? That is definitely a tricky bit with, uh, with how like posting online works because do you have to create your own creations or can you copy somebody's or do you just go fair use or I don't know if somebody knows comment down below. I'm really curious how the legality of internet. works. Well, the true horror of this life bureaucracy. (laughs) Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, I feel like with something like SCP, it'd be easier because SCP has like a, um, you know, website that controls it like entirely. And I think yeah. it, uh, they like, have a, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, and not every story is allowed to, you know, become an SCP. Like they go through a, a process, right? There's only, I want to say like 1200 SCP articles, which sounds like a lot, but when you consider how many fans are and how long it's been around, it really isn't like they are, well, not extremely picky. They do have a, a process, you know? Yeah, and the way they uh, the way they catalog probably helps a lot. Yeah. So what's going to happen is Sony's going to end up coming out with SDC Punk. Oh no, S- <laughs> see, I keep an SLC Punk and S whatever. <laughs> CP Secure. Yeah, contained. SCP. That's- They're going to change a letter. It's going to be SPC or SCP or whatever the legal combination of letter changes has to be. <laughs> and they'll go. This is a totally original property. The answer like, what the fuck, man? Shut up and watch your YouTube's. By the way, one of my favorite SCP articles that isn't terrifying, it's just really interesting, is they took the concept, whoever wrote it, took the concept of the immovable object and the unstoppable force and turned it into an SCP, where it's the, the items are uh, orbs. They're like metal orbs the size of a baseball. One floats above the planet, like the surface of the Earth at exactly like three feet and moves with the rotation of the Earth so that it is constant and it cannot be moved by anything. And then the other one is this same size metal orb that is orbiting the planet at roughly like like five, 700 miles an hour or something like that. And the, the article talks about how their, both of their projectiles in three-dimensional space have to be constantly predicted uh, outwards of up to 70 years because the possibility of uh, the events, which are like cuter uh, means dangerous but there's one beyond it where it's like apocalyptic but anyway the possibility of what happens if they hit each other is apocalyptic so like the article has to you know talk about what potential things to do in that in that scenario well we're getting near the end of the podcast so i will close this out with this is a family ghost this one's been you know passed down from my grandfather to me and we passed on generation to generation um my grandfather was in the navy for years and years and years and years traveled the world and there was one time he came home for his family was in Minnesota, and it was a long way from you know the nearest port to Minnesota, being a landlocked country mostly. And he stopped off at this old style bread and breakfast in style place in uh, Wisconsin, and you know went to sleep that night, and then woke up in the middle of the night because this room was cold. And it's, you know, weird. It's spring in the Midwest. Granted, it's cold, but not this kind of cold. And there at the foot of his bed is this woman. She is just standing there staring at him in an old style dress with a lantern and she's beckoning to him. Now he's got the good sense to just say, nope. (laughs) And he tries to wait her out and she's just still standing there beckoning at him. And then she starts getting closer, not a lot closer, but just enough to kind of like, I'm not okay with this. And he reacts like any sane person would pulls the blankets over his head and goes to sleep. Fun. When he wakes up in the morning, he's not sure if that was a nightmare or what, but he's going to ask the local landlord about it. And he goes, listen, I know this is going to sound crazy, but is there any chance, you know, any ghost stories or local stuff? I don't really believe this. And they're like, oh, you met the lady of the house. The lady of the house? Oh, yeah. This, you know, house has been around since the, you know, founding of Wisconsin, essentially. And this woman, she ran this as an inn for years and years and years, and she died. And she has a tendency to go, you know, room to room to check on the guests and beckon them down for a drink. And he's like, oh, and while you were, you know, staying in the grand bedroom, that's where, you know, her family used to live. And he's like, 
okay, I would have liked to know that. And my grandfather, very stoic, serious guy. Still, absolutely, 100%, totally believes in ghosts, not fuck around with that shit because of his experience he had when he was only 20. Mm. And like I said, just every time he tells it, you know, she's just standing at the grid, beckoning me with one hand, holding a lantern. It's like, you ever wonder what would have happened if, you know, you followed her? He's like, yeah, probably would have died. Like, it sounds like he would have got a drink. I don't know if I want a ghost drink. That's fair. I mean, all the puns you made about spirits, but I know what they drank back then. It was a lot of hard ciders, and I'm not a fan of hard ciders. All right. Well, since Axel took off before we could thank our patrons. I'm here. What are you talking about? In the beginning of the episode, you shot right past our Patreons to, you know, start challenging Unvog to a nerd fight. Hey, that's what you get for hiring him. Nerd fight. I didn't hire him. He hired himself. All right. Well, countdown to the fight. Now, <laughs> well, now let, there are our patrons while me and Woundvog eye each other angrily. All right. Our patrons are Pam Galley, Marquis, and Orion McCann. Now, if you'd like to become a patron, just head on over to our Patreon page, Geeks with Shields. It only costs you 25 cents an episode, and it goes a long way towards helping us with the podcast. Fun fact real quick, we are only five patrons away from being able to be totally supported on SoundCloud. That means we don't have to take down any more episodes. We're easier to find. It'll be a lot easier for us in general. And we're going to start moving in that direction anyways because YouTube is a horrible garbage fire. Hooray for the algorithm. <laughs> yeah. So No one uh, so likes it and it hurts everybody. Well, not the pe- if you've got over high, two billion subscribers, everybody else, YouTube is actively trying to destroy you. Now, the problem is, it's like even if, even if you're one of the big YouTube people, it it just means that you're secure. It's still a problem. Oh yeah, you're still getting affected. No, YouTube yeah. hates its creators, and yeah, we're going to start moving away from them. Uh, so suggestions thanks, of the week, Woonvog, since you're co-host, you want to start us off? Yes, I will suggest the uh, radio style podcast Midnight Marinara. They they re they retool different creepypastas from around the internet, and do them like old radio drama horror stories. Uh, you can find them on YouTube and the Benview Network. As they are some great stories, uh, super fun. I'd highly, I'd highly recommend them. Can we just pause and appreciate the fact that radio dramas are making a comeback? Like, of all the things to return... It's a great, it's a great use of the podcast format. Oh yeah, it's just really kind of cool to have this... I don't want to say it, but archaic art form making a return. I, along with these are from the same uh, from the same people. Undercooked analysis again. You have the theming of the pasta with the titles. Uh, <laughs> they they went they went full bore with it, and I and I kind of love them for that. Uh, I guess uh, you got to steer into it. <laughs> but uh, in undercooked analysis, they do a less uh, formal reading of different creepypastas that fans send in or they find online and they give genuine analysis and critiquing you know like good writing styles what works what went wrong uh what could be done better and it's usually just a pretty funny set because a lot of these stories are uh some less than stellar ones that you can find throughout the line and they have um... sorry Oh, I was going to say, didn't you tell me that they uh, did an episode with Happy Appy? They did. They did the whole saga of Happy Appy, which was about, I think, five episodes. Oh. And well, there you if, go. Two birds, one stone. Yeah. If you want to hear just an just a unbelievably crazy story, like I, I just talk like, and I know it's not doesn't have any fans here, but room tier like craziness. God, I hate that movie. <laughs> and you'd probably not enjoy this story either, but it's it's like a train wreck in slow motion. It's just like, I, I can't look away. <laughs> oh, the internet's full of those. <laughs> well, I don't have a horror thing to suggest. So, See, this Over. is why Runva got your spot. He likes Halloween. He keeps with the theme. <laughs> I don't have anything to keep with the theme about. Plus, right now... I'm so preoccupied. Anyway, point is, um, a friend of mine and I have this like kind of deal going on where he watches BoJack Horseman with me, so I watch Dot Hack Sign with him, and um, Dot Hack Sign is interesting. And I wanted to bring it up because like we live in a, a world, if you're an anime fan, where people getting stuck in video games is 
everywhere. And don't be wrong. I like your favorite anime ever, Sword Art Online. Uh, anyway, I also love Sword Art Online. Let him know how much you love it. In the- I like Overlord, which is the same kind of concept. But anyway, point is that Dot Hack Sign, to my knowledge, basically created that like subgenre of anime. Maybe not the story, but, but that kind of anime. And it's um, I don't know if it's good, but it is interesting so far. I've watched like twenty episodes, so I think it's enough to say that like it's it's interesting. So if we're talking about suggestions, as in just hey, maybe go check this out in the span of time. Well, I'm so doing an anime right now, so. about getting trapped in a video game. Partly. Okay. And it's not sorted out online. Correct. Dot Dot hacks. Oh, point in its favor. Well, also, apparently it's this massive multimedia franchise that I didn't know it is, like, that has, like, six different anime associated with it and, like, several different games and comics and... I, I don't know. I'm huh. just watching Dot Hack Sign right now, so... And that was the last we ever heard of Axel. <laughs> well, I'm gonna keep it on point because I watched The Haunting on Hill House this week. Have either of you guys heard or seen anything about this? I've heard of it, and it does look good. No, nope. It's solid. Axel? I have anything? not heard about it. No, I have not. I know. You're it. still watching Luke Cage, which you got canceled alongside Iron Fist because you didn't ah, watch it in time. I did not get it canceled. Thank you. You but... didn't watch it, and then they canceled it. Correlation. Hey, I have been watching Luke Cage. You can't correlate that one. You watched it too late. Don't you know if you don't watch it the week it comes out, Netflix cancels it? Well, that's Netflix's problem, not my problem. That's why they canceled American Vandal. I don't even know what that is. So That was a great spoof on true crime, which I'll come back to later. But Interesting. Haunting on Hill House is this... I, the, the best way I've heard it described is it's like if This Is Us were a horror movie. Now, huh. having never seen This Is Us, I can't comment to that. Yeah. But <laughs> is very much focused around this family in this creepy-ass haunted house. And it cuts between uh, when they were the fam when they lived in this house and where they are now as adults, and how living in this house has affected their lives. And there are so many great cut betweens, like in time, that you don't really realize are happening until like a couple of things. Like, okay, this is happening back here, and it explains. It's kind of told out of order, which typically I don't like, but. The creep factor on this is 11 because on top of the regular ghosts, there are ghosts hidden throughout the series, just hiding in the background. As they want to do. Well, it creates this kind of, because horror movies train us to watch the backgrounds for jump scares. So you're scanning the background of this show constantly like, wait a second, what's that? Oh, there's a ghost and he's creepy. Why is he just hanging out there? Moments. And there's some legitimately disturbing moments, uh, namely the bent neck lady. If, any, if, if you've watched this or you have seen it, you know of the bent neck lady and just the utter creep factor that she is. Um, it's a great show. I don't know if they're going to do a second season. The ending kind of wraps it up. But the ending is kind of the weakest part, I think. It's a bit of a tonal shift. But it is beautiful just for cinematography, the way they frame the shots. This is like a triple A top of the line A24 horror movie. So yeah, give it a watch. And then the other end of the spectrum, the first purge. Purge. Ooh. I've heard good I, things about the new one. I have too. I've enjoyed all of them on various levels. The first one was probably my least favorite because they wasted such a great concept. And then each successive sequel, they've gotten more and more blatant about what their message is. And this one has the KKK, neo-Nazis, blackface, and it's just screaming at the top of their lungs, do you get our message yet? Do you understand what we're trying to tell you? And typically I hate that. But it is so self-aware and comical about how it does it, I just automatically fell in love with it. Because, <laughs> hmm. yeah, the whole premise is this is how the purge got started. And the base cons, and, you know, the, they do away with a lot of the arguments of, well, how would people wouldn't naturally do this? They would if you paid them and they had, you know, desperate poverty. And anybody that knows what it's like to be desperately poor and have someone offer you $5,000 to, you know, participate in an experiment that may cost you your life is going to go, $5,000 seems worth it. You know, it's funny. Like, I I think that the concept of the purge getting more and more, you know, blatant, more and more political, more and more ballsy, essentially, is good for it as a a franchise, especially because it was always from a... Uh, a concept that was inherently, you know, uh, not allegorical, maybe? No, just 
Jericho. Yeah, no, it was it was a satire. But sort. that being said, I can't take the purge seriously because of Rick and Morty. When you are supposed to, and that's yeah, why yeah. this one gets. They have people wearing literal blackface masks chasing other black people. <laughs> they have people with wearing in the founding fathers. This whole government keeps referring to their government as the regime, and there's Nazi iconography all over. I mean, this movie is like, we know there are still a few people out there going, this movie series isn't political. What are you talking about? And this one's going, are you sure? Have you seen the Klansmen over here? And the action scene at the end, it's beautiful. I mean, it's just this stupid, ridiculous, over-the-top action film with a touch of black exploitation. in that, you know, we now have these super-powered uh, drug-dealing gangster fighting off the waves of Nazis. Huh. This is so stupid, but it's so much fun, and it's so blatantly fun and stupid. Didn't, uh, I didn't see it, but didn't recently a movie come out called, like, Assassination Nation that touches on similar kind of concepts and ideas? Maybe. I remember the name. I don't remember anything about the movie. But the only thing I think as I'm watching this is I can't wait for film historians to look back on the Purge franchise and go, why did they have to keep getting more and more obvious for, you know, their message? Did the audience not get it? So, yeah, no. Uh, Haunting on Hill House, the first Purge. I loved both of them for very different reasons. All right, one is want- schlock, one is art. If you want a horror suggestion from me, then I will literally just suggest SCP Containment Breach, which is a fun go. game. Uh, to anyone who doesn't know, who has no idea what SCP is that I'm talking about, like I said, the, the main creature is a, a weeping angel from Doctor Who, and the game has a blink mechanic where you've got a meter in the bottom right that if it fills up, you're forced to blink. So there you go. There's a horror game suggestion. There you go. That's how you end Bootober with actually having a horror movie suge- a horror suggestion. Good job. All right. Well, thank you for listening. Be sure to like, share, and subscribe. As we talked about earlier, the analytic hates us, so we literally need you to share this for people to see it. And you know what? I will take my job back and push the social media. Give me the floating card. Because uh, my hands. If you want to talk to us, you can talk to us on Twitter and Facebook, and we got the links and the doobly-doo thing of a bob below. We don't have a proper name for it yet, but we'll find one. <laughs> As always, this has been Lord Commander Oric. And his shield brother, Axel Wright. Also the knight in armor, Woundvog. <laughs> Be sure to tune in next time, and as always, stay honorable. <laughs>